This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Alright, hi guys, um, we're curious here, Ali, and today today mostly it's going to be a lot of markets and we want to cover um, the earnings. Uh, for the past two days we've seen a couple of listed companies in Kenya release their res- results. We have KPLC, Kenjian, Unga, and uh, on an African space we have Jumia. And on um, the Kenyan space we've seen we've seen declines on, you know, um, Unga, KPLC, and, and Kenjian, and we want to go deeper into what that means. We also want to talk about um, the entry of Spotify in Kenya, as well as the UK-Kenya um, pact, which um, MPs on both countries seem to have concerns. You know, on the Kenyan side, uh, the MPs have concerns that we have details that they might not have discussed or rather were not approved at an earlier stage. While on the UK um, side, last week they they actually um, asked for an extension for the period to approve the document because there were concerns that the UK-Kenya um, free trade agreement would bring issues in the East African community. Globally, we want to look at um, Coinbase and the, the forthcoming IPO, as well as Australian Big Tech, given the developments between um, Facebook and Google with regards to Australia's new law, which requires uh, big tech companies to pay um, media houses. Yeah, so as you can see, there's a lot lined up, so feel free to engage, interact, uh, ask any questions on Clubhouse. If you want to um, talk, you can raise your hand and we'll uh, invite you up to speak. So yeah, I guess we can start. Right, right on. Um, Felix, let's talk about the results. So we've seen... Um, pardon? Okay. All right, so we've seen that... Um, Kenjin's earnings for, for the year ended um, December 31st, 2020, dropped by, dropped by 38%. And um, Kenya Power also had quite massive you know, drops in, in profit. It's around 80.06%. And um, on, the, on the other hand, we, we also saw Unga Group's half-year earnings dropping by 44.8% to Kenya Shillings. Um, 83.5 million. Uh, what 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 does this mean? You know, th- the earnings season is just about is just beginning, and we're seeing um, quite a number of companies post bearish numbers, if you will. Right. Um, I think that's something very great. Ali. Um, I know investors on the Nairobi Securities Exchange and at large are always trying to look for the best uh, investment options, uh, investment opportunities to probably um, jump into. So probably for maybe just to start on with Kenjin, uh, Kenjin's revenue had Kenjin posted a thirty a three percent decline um, in total revenue uh, to twenty two point three billion um, from twenty two point three billion sorry to twenty one point eight billion uh, this year. I think the main reason is generally just as it was mentioned also in the results uh, the company attributed this to reduce fuel revenue. Uh, so I think for Kenjin, I believe that there's still a little bit of um, Kenjin remains a little bit optimistic in terms of of, of, of um, performance. In my opinion, I've, I've always believed that Kenjin is always trading at a little bit of a discount. 
uh, at this time on the Nairobi Securities Exchange, always an, a company that has very strong fundamentals, something that investors are always likely to probably get into and just listen to and just probably pick in, um, in my honest opinion. But then, once again, remember, as we always put it on the curious segment, if you're listening in, if you're probably making a stock selection, always remember to continue doing your in-depth analysis. This is not an advice to buy or sell a, um, a security. Uh, moving on to the next one, for Kenya Power, I would wish to skip for, for Kenya Power, mainly because Kenya Power is yet to really to, to, to release the full year results for financial year 2020. We've seen the half year results come out, uh, but we are yet to see the full year results um, come out. So maybe for KPLC, just as we had mentioned with Davis, um, who's, I'm seeing Davis is tuned in for this live session. We, we mentioned that we'll be doing an analysis and we'll have a total strip down for Kenya Power. Uh, KPLC has posted, I'd say it posted a little bit of uh, better than expected earnings and results. I believe most of us had probably looked on KPLC to have a downturn in the total um, earnings because um, we've probably seen the loss probably widen over and over. Uh, over the past few years, we've seen Kenya Power constantly uh, post a decline in, in, in earnings. And so I still think that there's, there's a lot that Kenya Power can do. Kenya Power, just as we've always spoke, uh, spoken about this early, KPLC is one of those companies that are generally supposed to be making way, way much more revenue than what they're doing at this time, even in terms of shareholder returns, in terms of profit. Uh, that's one thing that I think we really need to look into. Uh, back to you, Eddie. Yeah, and maybe maybe just before we proceed, uh, Felix, a question. So you mentioned obviously uh, Ken Jenner. I can see um, on the Hisa app today it closed at about four point six nine, uh, which was about um, one point three percent higher than it did uh, than it opened, um, but only one hundred and eighty one k uh, volumes uh, of shares traded today. Um, do you think the fact that the biggest client, uh, Kenjan's biggest client, is Kenya Power. Um, could that be the reason why uh, you know you, you feel that stock, uh, the share price is almost always just going to feel a bit um, undervalued or not performing to its best uh, standard, or so to speak? Uh, absolutely, Eric. Because you know one of the things that I believe we need to look at anytime whenever you're analyzing a company we always need to look at the clients the clientele the subscribers and also we're looking all the way down to the, to, to where the end product is getting into right that's just the same way whenever we're analyzing safaricom we don't just analyze the company by starting from management we're looking at it from a point of a utility how many people are using this service how many people are subscribed to this one of the main reasons why we always say that Kenjan has a little bit of stronger fundamentals is because Kenjan as a company, we we know that power has become more of uh, it's 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 become more of a decentralized utility uh, rather than what what how how, how it's always been, um, and we're seeing um, the total electricity coverage within Kenya alone has really grown over the past few years. Uh, I believe the main reason why investors are uh, a little bit bullish on, on Kenjan is because we know very well that Kenjan is, uh, Kenya Power is, 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 is Kenjan's main client. As much as we're seeing a lot of activity here and there, guys shifting here from, uh, from, from, uh, from KPLC's national grid to 
probably solar panel and, and solar energy, guys going green. Uh, I still think that there's still a lot more, and we're seeing also the debt that Kenjan, that Kenya Power currently owes Kenjan, uh, still yet to be unpaid. Um, so I know investors, yes, there's that bit where we are bullish because the company has strong fundamentals. Um, we also seen Kenjan of late, we've been, they've been um, getting a little bit of projects here and there. Two weeks back, they had a project in Djibouti that we spoke about, and so uh, I think that's one thing that we, we're really hoping that would at least sustain the company long term. But short term, yes, Eric, that's right. Um, as long as Kenya Power is still con is, is going to continue making losses here and there, we are likely to have Kenjan as well. Uh, probably, we'd say investors would still be a little bit skeptical, even though it might be on the bullish end, not on the bearish side. So we're likely to see a little bit, just a, a slight upward momentum on the stock. Also, you know, Kenjan has been trading with a dividend uh, pegged to it. Mm -hmm. And so that's one thing that we are likely to see also investors rally to. But I believe, because you know investors generally are looking for, if, if we can't get capital gains on the market, then what are we getting uh, of, uh, in the next bit? We are definitely looking for dividends. If capital gains were subdued by COVID-19 impact on the market, we investors are hoping just to get that dividend off the market. So I, I believe that, yes, Kenya Power is still going to be a major hindrance to Kenyan's growth on the market. But um, I know this is something that might be short term. Uh, if we get, if, if, if KPLC's um, management can just be a little bit rigid on, on, on some of the daily operations and also mostly focusing on, on revenues to the company, I believe it's not only going to be a turnaround to Kenya Power but also to, to Kenjan as well and many other companies within the sector. Yeah, but, but then again, you look at Kenjan and um, they sort of have this clear plan mm -hmm. where they, um, they are sort of diversifying beyond just um, the Kenyan market, first of all, and beyond just uh, generating power. Uh, because I think the contract they got in Rwanda, if I'm not wrong, is more of a consultancy contract uh, yes. than an actual uh, power generation contract. So again, uh, if such business lines, if they're able to flesh out such business lines and they make sense and they get more clients out of the country, uh, it would actually give us more reason to be actually be uh, quite optimistic about the growth prospects of the company as a well. whole. Absolutely. Yep. I think that's something interesting. We'd be really hoping to have a look at and just see what's going to happen next. For sure. I mean, looking looking at a uh, sort of uh, another another company that's definitely worth looking at um, on on the NSC Nation Medium Group, which had um, a buyback ten percent that has sent the share rallying. Um, his app shows that the volumes for today alone are forty two point three k as of closing, and uh, its price is at sixteen point um, one zero. Although. Of course, there are some details that are not yet to be to be disclosed, including uh, things um, like the the terms of the buyback. Of course, what what do you think this means for NMG and its and its shareholders? Well, um, it's very interesting. NMG. For those of you who are just wondering why what happened with NMG, NMG announced that it was doing a, a share buyback. Uh, for those of you who are wondering what a share buyback is. A share buyback is when a listed company decides to buy back some of its shares from the market. Uh, so this will definitely in the long run either reduce, um, as long as any investor is willing to, to sell their shares, then the shares are bought back by the company. Um, I believe to some extent we, we've had a long discussion at length about this. Most investors are actually looking at this from a point of 
nation media probably seeing the companies trading at a very undervalued uh, price and they want to buy back and probably own some of the stock. But the one thing that I really like about NMG buying market shares is that NMG is not set by, it's not going to be kept off by any regulations not to sell back its shares on the market. So NMG can actually buy its shares at 14 shillings and later on when the shares probably move back to maybe about say maybe about um, 90 or 120 where it was trading at a few years back, they can be able to exit that and probably uh, generate more revenue to the company. So for NMG I think that's something that's going to be very interesting to see. We've seen NMG rally from yesterday's market open when NMG closed the previous day um, at I think 13.95, today is trading at 16.10 and um, I'm, I'm bullish. Personally I got into NMG and I think that's one thing, not not because of the fundamentals definitely but because of the technicals bit. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping for NMG to probably rally to about 20 or 30 shillings there about. Okay now I want to hold that discussion for a minute Felix. So um, on NMG still, you've mentioned uh, you know the the fact that they could actually buy the shares back at the current uh, market price, which was about fourteen when they announced that, and then basically s uh, sell it to uh, sell it at market when it you know uh, rises. And you mentioned one twenty where it initially was. Um, and this me just trying to get your opinion on this. Uh, what do you think an engine needs to do um, to sort of change the business model so that they can actually generate revenues and get investors excited enough to actually rally their share price. Just your thoughts. Um, this is usually the technical bit of things. <laughs> but you know, you know what I think mm -hmm. is, I, I think that NMG is, NMG is, is, is the leading media housing in, in Eastern Central Africa. I think NMG has one of the largest in terms of exposure, in terms of media impact. Maybe NMG was too late to the game, uh, so to speak, but I'm seeing NMG has been trying to do a lot, mostly um, banking on the digital space, which I think it's something that um, we're seeing most global um, corporations move into. We're seeing the model, they're trying to probably mimic the model that companies like um, New York Times are, are into. And I think the future might be bright for NMG if they continue within that trajectory. There's a lot more that they can venture into in, in, uh, through the digital space. Uh, probably I know whatever the company might be working on, something that they are likely to, to, to probably um, reduce on over time is, is on the print media. But I think that it's, it's going to be more positive on, on NMG in the future. It might take a long time for the turnaround, maybe say five, five or so years, but for the, in, in the long run, I think the future is bright for energy. Okay, understood. Yeah. What do you th What do you think of the 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 new platform that they that they launched? You know, Nation Africa. Uh, maybe Eric would mention something. <laughs> for that. Uh, so I, I I get I get the whole uh, branding aspect and what they have tried to do or what they are doing uh, with basically just um, going beyond what they are known for. So uh, obviously Nation is big in Kenya and we know them, but you know, outside of our borders, they didn't have that brand presence mm -hmm. uh, or brand visibility and equity, so to speak. So the whole Nation um, rebrand was to give them that vibrant, young, uh, 
label that can allow them to actually operate ac- across the continent. Um, and I think they couple that with uh, sort of the subscription model on the news side of things. And I think I saw a few weeks ago um, Clifford, who's the head of uh, marketing and special projects, saying that they actually got to about 200k paying subscribers, which is pretty decent, uh, given that you know that's only after a couple of months, and they are aiming for a million paid subscri- subscriptions. So again, it's uncharted territory. It's new. Um, it's it's new business models for them, mm-hmm. but it looks like. Um, they have the users, they have uh, the audience to actually, you know, convert, if, 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 I, if I use that word uh, loosely, to convert into their new uh, sort of mediums and channels. So uh, it's interesting to see what they can do, especially in the space on digital, uh, in terms of subscriptions, uh, because there's a lot in terms of just changing user behaviors to start paying for content and mm-hmm. news. Uh, which is a new thing. I bet I personally don't agree with uh, people paying subscription fees, and I know we are t- going to talk about Spotify in a few, mm-hmm. um, especially for news, uh, for me. But uh, it's interesting to see because they got two hundred k people, and uh, those numbers are going up. So I'm I'm excited. Uh, I just want to see what what they can do. You know, Eric, I wish I wish we could actually get um, sort of statistics on the details of. Um, the uptake of Kenyan to subscription use because mm-hmm. earlier I was reading an article that one of the most um, searched service in Kenya is actually is actually Netflix, which is a subscription based mm-hmm. services. Yeah. And of course, um, Spotify joining Kenya as one of its eighty plus new markets says something. Um, what's what's really in there? I feel like. If you are able to have a catalog of content mm-hmm. that is really good or impressive, people will pay for it. So um, Netflix is more out of necessity than, you know. So you don't think about how much you're paying on Netflix. You think about the movies you're going to get, the right. value you're going to get, you know, on the platform. Mm-hmm. So the fee becomes a footnote in whatever decision making you're going to make. Same as Spotify. So uh, because again, Spotify has had a lot of users in Africa who've had to do a lot of VPNs to actually get the service because they have a good service, they have, uh, you know, nice AI that uh, does a lot of sort of syncing and organization of your library or music content uh, based on your interests or what you listen to and such. So again, it has to start with the value proposition than the cost. So it doesn't matter if you're charging your service at 10 shillings mm-hmm. and someone else is charging at, at a thousand as long as there is a value proposition i feel like people will be compelled to to actually pay for those services and netflix is one of the biggest shows that um having big enough value proposition makes sense in these markets uh maybe, maybe eric let me let me also just ask you mm-hmm. what's 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 your view on with spotify getting into the country what's your view on on Safaricom's bonga because Safaricom also had something a music streaming service. Songa. It, it, it's Songa, not Bonga. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Songa. Bonga was uh, the chat. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can we, we, we can we can we can name a number of failed Safaricom projects. Too many. Masoko. Yeah. Well. Let's not get into that now. <laughs> <laughs> Felix, um, please. But, yeah. but then, but then, just I'd really love to know what what are your thoughts about um, Safaricom's Songa. Do you think it's still because I know the main reason why um, Safaricom was actually launching this product was because 
they had a view that they could actually um, do there was a lot of activity back then where guys were always wondering and I remember I was one of the few people who retweeted a tweet about Spotify not getting into Africa and probably profiling certain sub-Saharan Africa countries but I'm wondering now what's what direction are we really going to go into do you think it's still going to be viable or you probably look at Safaricom as a much more so, smaller company but then also considering that there are a lot of um, systems that other companies have tried out that Safaricom has actually perfected within within our country and generally within the region. But then we also know there are also products that Safaricom has also taken outside the country. They're perfected within the country, but it's 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 failed to materialize outside the country. Maybe what's your take on that? Why are you not asking about Mudunda? <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, <laughs> they filed their Q. Was it Q4? And they actually had 6.1 million uh, users now across their markets in, in Africa. Again, uh, Martin, a good friend of mine, um, it's interesting what, what they are doing uh, with Mdundo. And they actually they actually cross-listed on the Danish NYSC. Uh, so it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, they are one of those guys who everyone thought um, if ever Spotify came into the continent, mm-hmm. they would look at them um, well both for partnership and or as competitors uh, but it's interesting that you know spotify just decided to do sort of like a all-out launch on the key markets I- in africa but talking of songa uh, i don't know i i think when a company becomes too big it's both an advantage and a disadvantage so um, consumers will both take up your product quite easily and some, and in some instances, most of them would shy away from the product. Um, and I say so too because I think when with with Songa, um, I, I I did not personally try it out, so I don't know about the experience. But for me, I was I was I was more like you know what, Safaricom is good with my Mpesa and as a telco. But, but just the fact that you know there's a M Songa, mm-hmm. but you're still willing to use it, you prefer going to do a VPN and go to Spotify. Yeah, um, I, 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 like saw, I saw I, I saw a joke the other day, someone said, Spotify is going to probably wonder why a lot of people have changed from, <laughs> from, from, from what, what street was that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden to various yeah. African countries. Mm-hmm. Do you think they really didn't know we are from Africa? Like you know, the reason they came to Kenya maybe is because they knew we were we they knew we were in Kenya. Yeah. Like they, but the effort we had our parents maybe, but, but they, they you could actually did. Yes, we could actually. Like, I had a premium Spotify. <laughs> 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 premium, 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 premium. You didn't even have to have your VPN. You didn't even have to hide it. Pay for it. No. <laughs> yes. Don't we are so, we see so, like so now are you they knew. Oh, yeah. I think I think I think I maybe it's cool music. Okay. I think but I'm coming back and I'm not I think okay. I think maybe one thing that we really need to ask, maybe we can ask the guys from Safcom, Eric, I know mm-hmm. you can be able to get us that data. Yeah. If Safcom can actually tell us um how the song music uh system really how it performed because I'm seeing they've actually even stopped advertising. I don't know the last time that I saw an advert um, about about something. Yeah. But then it would also be interesting to just see how, how it performed. Bonga the charts was also shelved. Well again 
we don't want to digress. I know. I feel like I'd, I'd also want to understand, you know, other pre-existing music services, of course, you know, the whole boys like Mdundo, mm-hmm. Eric, what's up with Martin Banner? <laughs> uh, and yes, of course, Martin, we have... we are going to get you on a podcast soon <laughs> to discuss your, your recent numbers. I am tweeting him. Yes. Anyway, um, I'd like I'd want I'd want to know um the performance of other streaming services that have been in Africa for a while. You know, Boomplay, um, th- through techno. Yeah. Um, and uh, and of course and of course Mdundo. And Apple Music. And and, and Apple Music. Yes. We Android people barely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know thing I also think about Safari Songa is mm-hmm. who who is their market like for real the with Spotify. It came actually. It just came recently. Not okay. Not so recently, but it's just penetrated the market. And we all knew about Spotify. Somewhere or another, you knew like there's an app called Spotify. It has good music. It has podcast. It has what? But with that song, it was always being advertised on TVs. Like who are always watching the TVs? Like after news, it's, it's the parents. <laughs> so who who are their target markets? We get like these other people they, they penetrated the market in a different way, like with Apple Music because you can still use an Apple Music, Apple music on your Android, right? Yeah, yes, you can. I didn't know that you can, you can actually. You can. I'm and just willing to wait for you. You're actually right. a student, so, so you, you, you get a good rate. So, mm. so, so maybe, actually, maybe, yeah. maybe just, just, just to ask uh, for, those of, for those of you who are listening in. Um, do you really believe, and, and maybe just so that we can call shots on one thing, the first one. Um, if it wasn't for M-Pesa, do you think that there would be any other success story that Safaricom would probably have? Because uh, it seems like for most of the things that we are talking about, all of them, most of them, not all of them, are being shoved here and there. But yet we're seeing M-Pesa continue to probably move. Do you think if it wasn't for M-Pesa, we wouldn't be seeing any success story from Safaricom? Uh, I think that's, that's too simplistic uh, for you. Uh, because, again, Mpesa is a massive ecosystem mm. and um, there's been lots of ripple effects to other parts of the economy that we just cannot ignore. So there's lots of developer um, communities that have grown, there's lots of apps that have grown, there's lots of industries. Betting wouldn't possibly ever have taken off in this country without, uh, say, Mpesa. So again, to just avoid that simplistic view, I think we, we shouldn't take uh, Position on that. Alright. Okay. Okay. Alright. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe one of these days we can have an in-depth analysis for Safaricom. Yes. Just trying to look on various products on the tech side for Safcom. Yeah. And their strengths and where they could actually capture uh, the market and grow beyond just being uh, M-Pesa. Alright. Awesome. And yeah. how it has driven different industries, banking, agriculture. Yeah. Absolutely. Because they also they also support a lot of other. Uh, auxiliary uh, platforms and apps, say M-Farm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Education. Mm-hmm. There's a whole ecosystem that has actually thrived from M-Pesa or the initial Safaricom setting up of M-Pesa that's actually very admirable. Yes. Um, you know, back, back to the discussion, on, uh, on more of a, a continental level, we had uh, the Bank of Ghana announce its, its sandbox you know, for, for the different for different startups in all the way from Regrec hey, Regtech, mm-hmm. my father, my lord <laughs> to supervisory, you know, um technology. Mm-hmm. Um what what do you guys think um this would mean for for Ghanaian Ghanaian startups? Especially, you know, they had this caveat 
that um, the sandbox would actually allow also players in the in the blockchain space to sort of explore um, the innovations. Eric, I know this is something that you've been following up personally, so I'm curious to hear what you think. No, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with Ghana. Uh, I think if there's two countries that I'm very optimistic about in terms of policy, it's Ghana and Rwanda. Well, then Kenya comes after somewhere. <laughs> but, but, but I believe that Ghana is really spearheading lots of good policies. Um, so two weeks ago, I think we were complaining about uh, Nigeria and uh, sort of their clamping down on crypto and everything. And I think there's a video that's been shared the past few days about their the Central Bank of Nigeria uh, governor just saying, you know, they do not feel comfortable uh, enough to engage uh, cryptos because they're being used for illegal activities and there's not much transparency. Um, and on the flip side, we see Ghana then taking initial steps towards actually uh, embracing um, startups or uh, companies that are working with technologies that the other uh, regulators are actually scared of. Mm-hmm. So I, I know in as much as they, they, they're only saying, you know, remittance products, um, blockchain, uh, crowdfunding, uh, KYC, reg tech, and also supervisory tech. Uh, again, the keyword here and what got people interested is actually the blockchain part because cryptos are blocks, the underlying technology is blockchain. So right. why would you ban cryptos and say you're opening up a sandbox for blockchain uh, enabled uh, companies or technologies? So for me, I, I was really, I was really very, very impressed with, with, with that, with them taking that step. And I believe that um, this should be uh, sort of like the, the guide for basically other central banks to mm-hmm. actually adopt because um, it would allow for faster faster regulation or faster policy formulation uh, because until you interact with the technology you basically can't regulate it so what the bank of ghana is doing is at least putting in place uh, a sandbox whereby you're going to take your crypto p2p exchange there let's say for instance and they're going to look at everything that they are saying is currently wrong with cryptos which is uh, money laundering or um, uh, sort of not not good use cases uh, for, for the crypto mm-hmm. and then they're going to basically have a look at that and if they are actually within the law then they should allow those products to go to market so for me it's it's a good first step I wish more uh, central banks would take this approach rather than the one of just burning them and uh, pretending that cryptos are not here or blockchain is not here or uh, all these other fascinating uh, fintech products are not here because as we've correctly said and constantly said on this show we believe that blockchain as a technology is here to stay cryptos as a store of value or uh, smart contracts or all of that they're here to stay so we, we we need them looking at those technologies rather than burning them you know, just just to pick up brain, your brain again on, on on the sandbox again. I understand that locally in Kenya we have the we have the CMA sandbox. Of, mm-hmm. of course, um, what is what do you think is the difference in sort of scope between the CMA sandbox and um, 
the bank of kind of I, I, I know we're not comparing likes here but yeah. just to sort of um, show some of the things that we need in the Kenyan space of course by the CBK yeah so, so I think again uh, Felix feel free to jump in here but um, so what the Cam- capital markets authority uh, with the CMA sandbox is is actually focused on products around the capital markets uh, so when you're talking about capital markets you're obviously looking at um, either the stock market commodities um, investment banking you know such sectors so they're focused on on solutions that revolve around the capital markets <coughs> for the central bank of Ghana or uh, for any central bank for them they are more focused on the monetary aspect so you'll see services like remittances so say you're doing uh, cross-border payments or cross-border transfer of funds mm-hmm. you're doing um, like remittances where uh, diaspora are supposed to send man- money back into the country so for them that's more on uh, on their aspect of the, what, they, what, what they're looking at and if you look at say bitcoin is actually would actually fall under more on a central bank sandbox than a CMS De- sandbox definitely. because it's actually a transfer of value uh, or a transfer of um, of wealth so to say between individuals so I, I think for me that would be the clear distinction between the two sandbox I believe there's been plans to set up a sandbox locally by sen- the central bank correct me if I'm wrong Felix yeah um, there's been a lot about the central bank setting up the, the sandbox but it's taking time um, I wish I wish Dr. Njoroge would actually fast track this process. We're seeing other banks, um, uh, we're seeing other banks within frontier markets uh, probably do a lot in terms of not only in terms of blockchain, but generally central banks just around fintech, around capital markets, um, and even for CMA, what they would actually do is to try and widen the scope for which they are actually um, the scope that they they look into. Because I believe capital markets is, is capi- the capital market space is so huge. Um, in our country, we've only tapped just a very small bit of it. If we could only fast track some of these um, changes that we need in our in our capital markets, this would this would not only boost investor confidence but also do a lot in terms of revenue, not only to the national government but also market players. Uh, so that's one thing that I know that um, I believe that these regulators, both the Central Bank of Kenya and Capital market authority would definitely be open to. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, COVID nineteen. Rwanda Rwanda Air is actually um set to become one of the actually the first African airline to adopt the um IATA health passport. And I know I know this is very very important given how COVID um, nineteen has disrupted, you know, travel air travel globally and we've seen um airlines within the continent of course um except ethiopian airlines quite quite take a hit uh, what do you guys what do you guys think about um one um the new health 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 passport which is which is essentially just a, a travel pass that um sort of shows that um how should i put this a passenger has or is pre-qualified to travel based on um, the different requirements for, for COVID-19. What do you think it means for travel, especially in Africa? I think Eunice should go first. She's had an experience with travel. <laughs> During COVID-19? Yes. <laughs> Ask the question again, please. I, I was asking um, the, the, travel, the travel pass up that 
for IATA is, is actually set to be adopted by Rwanda Air, which is going to be the first um, African airline to adopt adopt that application, which is essentially um, seen as a tool that will help ease travel restrictions um, globally. What do you think that will mean for, for travelers and what do you think that would mean f specifically for um, African airlines? Well, uh, just as Eunice probably picks in, let me just say, I think one of the things that we have always talked about, well, it's good to, to, to probably just have a look and probably see the new developments that are coming in on the, on the air safety, um, the, the probably what we call exporting the, the virus from one place to another. One of the things that I believe, it, it's, it's honestly good to see um, guys who've been vaccinated probably get a free, sort of like a freeway um, into moving and also just to restrict the vaccine. But I remember uh, the WHO um, DG had mentioned some time back that uh, there are certain measures that countries are taking that is likely to politicize the vaccine. We're seeing the point when we start having e-passports. They're good, yes, but to a point when you might, you might, guys might actually be denied some of these services, mm -hmm. uh, some services that they may need, just because they lack um, the the the. the the, they lack the certification on, the, on their e-passport. Um, so that's one thing. That's one um, thing that, I, that I, I'm seeing that it's not really going to be workable on. Uh, I wish that we would move in generally as a global economy and also on the human side, we would move. Uh, th there's a way that, that uh, the, the German Prime Minister had actually put it, the, can it, it's a, it's the Chancellor. Chancellor. Yeah, the, the Chancellor. Uh, she, she put it and she mentioned that the world will never be free of COVID until every single individual is vaccinated. So I believe we should work on that. Um, I think that's one thing that we are going to look into. We saw Germany actually said it would be, um, it would be donating some of its COVID-19 vaccines to uh, some parts of the world. They didn't mention when it was coming to Africa. But then also one thing that I believe African governments are also doing is we're waiting for uh, for, for, for the developed world to make decisions that, that will in the long run affect us. As I've always mentioned, I'm a strong believer on, on, on good governance, uh, whether it's on corporate or national level. I still think that our governments have a lot, but we're always waiting for other countries to probably make the first move. Uh, this morning, I, I, in the news, I know there was news about uh, President Uhuru Kenyatta mentioning that that Kenya is, is set to receive first batch of vaccine next week, not politicize even the district. So because everything starts from the to politicize stuff from the local place, then we cannot look beyond our, 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 our country. But I, in the long run for me, the e-passport is good, but I still think honestly, we need to do much more than that so that we can have everybody else vaccinated. Otherwise, guys will be paying here. It will be all about your money that will probably earn you a place or a seat if you're, if you're supposed to travel outside your country. And I think on that note, uh, also I think um, the government said the private companies would be allowed to sell and do the vaccination yes. locally, which they have actually already started before even the government vaccines get here. So again, uh, very strange scenario to put yourself in because um, this is more like a whole, it, it's more, uh, how do I put it? 
it's a civic issue. It's, it's, it's an issue that affects the entire population. So it would have been prudent for the government to actually just um, take up that whole vaccination and distribution exercise uh, to avoid, again, crazy rates, uh, people just, private companies, again, doing or privatizing a lot of these things. Uh, but on Rwanda, I think that it's, it's, it's quite it's quite impressive and I am sad that nowadays we always have to refer to uh, other airlines uh, and not our own, the pride of Africa, <laughs> when we are talking about the first of anything. Uh, so again, I, I would have expected KQ to be at the forefront of, you know, um, basically doing the e-passport given they go to more destinations that, than Rwanda and just being open to adopt technology uh, but again as, as Rwanda has shown uh, they are more willing especially with policies and with the vaccine they have actually taken a very strong positive stance to help vaccinate the population so it's a good thing that they will be trialing that on the Kigali Nairobi route in about three weeks time if I'm not wrong. But then, but then Ali, just also to mention one thing about KQ, it's very sad that KQ was not selected as one of the the, the airlines that would be uh, distributing the vaccine in Africa, despite KQ setting up the largest um, uh, pharmaceutical airline, pharmaceutical cargo facility in Africa. Mm -hmm. I think that's one thing that um, probably I feel sad, not only as a former shareholder, <laughs> <laughs> an investor, but I feel sad also as, as a... Kenya. As, as, as a Kenyan. But Ethiopia are doing a good job. I would, I would rather Ethiopia do that distribution than KQ, just to be honest. Anybody else would rather KQ than Ethiopia? Um, uh, me, me and KQ, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> Alright, interesting. It looks like I'm the only one here who usually flies the pride. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, more, more, more to more to global threat, and uh, this is this is quite interesting, you know, given um, part part of the HISA team, of course, comes from Kenyan Wall Street, which is which does quite a lot on the publishing space. Um, the the legal back and forth between you know Facebook and the Australian government finally has has bothered with um, Australia passing the law requiring you know big tech players to pay our publishers on on Thursday, is it? And um, what do you, what do you, what do you guys what do you guys think about about you know the whole idea of um, requiring uh, these companies to pay publishers, given uh, that they benefit directly from the content of of these publishing um, houses, and something that I also want us to look up to look at is um, Twitter's Twitter's new feature, the feature that it's teasing um, super followers, which allows you to actually um, monetize some of your content to exclusive followers. What do you guys um, think? Uh, maybe, maybe just to uh, go first. I think that if, I don't know about you guys, just speaking out of basic analysis, remember for every analysis, whether it's fundamental or technical, we always have to start the basic. Can you imagine how much that nation media that we spoke about earlier on would probably be making if if these tech companies or the social media companies the tech companies like Google and Facebook would actually be paying nation media for the news and content that they get. Can you imagine just that? So 
on my in an honest opinion i think it's worth it it's news just the same way everybody would want this this news these are news that journalists go out there they risk their lives to probably get this news and they take time to compile data mostly if it's research news mm-hmm. i think that they need to pay and 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 it's something that um it's going to go i believe that once australia um starts it we're going to see a lot more of these cases come up and more and more countries are going to enact these laws but i know as usual africa we're going to wait until <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so i think for me again it's it's one of those uh cases where i see both sides of the coin uh but I have been supporting what Australia actually are doing um because if you look at it uh yes Google will say they're just a search engine you know but all of the advertising revenue is built over content that is not theirs you know mm. that content is either coming from news sources or um say user generated content and same 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 with facebook so facebook has more user generated content but if you look at uh, the news uh, segment it's basically uh, sourcing news from different uh, publishers or people are sharing news from different publishers so in as much as you know the technicalities uh, from facebook and google uh, the explanation is that you know they they are basically aggregating content and they push the traffic back to the website and you know you earn some revenue from people who visit your website that is not really the scenario because the more content there is on Facebook the more content is being indexed on Google the more people get relevant information so at the end of the day it's actually helping the platforms more and if you look at the revenues that Google and Facebook earn you know from advertising uh, if i'm to say it's 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 quite a, a lot compared to what uh publishers and or media houses and so i feel like uh australia really you know did a good thing and uh, i'm glad they held their ground to actually just make sure that yes in as much as your google and you know you're the search engine and you you are the biggest and your facebook and everyone relies on you for information uh you should actually pay the local uh news sites and publishers for the content they put out daily content which is shared on your platform and you make advertising revenue off of that content so uh, and and for me i'm more interested to see what canada and the eu come up with because those are the ones which are actually going to uh to matter because again australia is a small country and given that facebook was able to actually uh seed some of their position to make sure they come to an agreement was it 1 billion i think they 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 agreed to pay 1 billion uh to dollars to to the um, top uh, sm media houses it's actually a good thing but now if you look at canada and the eu then that number goes extremely way uh, above uh, what they paid for australia and again once that happens um i know again states in the us are going to pick that up and sadly you know africa we're going to be last but hopefully again <laughs> we can be able to come to the table early enough to actually negotiate so it's 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 a move in the right direction i get that media houses are sort of desperate and they want to get as much revenue as they can from these big platforms but i feel that it's actually warranted and they should be paid uh but on the flip side again google uh and facebook specifically i know they're going they're going to invest a lot they say they're going to invest close to 
million dollars over actually they said i think 1.2 billion dollars over the next three years to now generate content internally so again now that's the catch so once they're able to generate their own content then they can basically discard all of the publishers and you and nothing and again that's that's one of my concerns given that i feel like it's um it's a symbiotic relationship uh media houses provide content um which is which of course generates um, um, ads on social media and then social media provides enough viewership for people to again ping back to the media houses yeah. but then um, um, an earlier research by the Associated Press shows that like still um, big tech takes quite a lot of revenue um, in ads by media houses so for every 100 say a hundred dollars um, generated Google Google would take 53 uh, Facebook would take um, 28, which is 81. Like again, these 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 numbers are from these numbers are from from AFP. Yeah. Okay. Um, did also a, a research. Let me just see if I can get it. But continue. Yeah. Sure. So what again, especially in uh, in smaller countries that cannot bargain as much as as much as Australia, what would it mean? when um, big techs now decide to sort of take stronger stance such as generating in-house content given the infrastructure that they already have again uh i think china is one of you know a good bad example in this case. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you would think that when facebook shut down you know australia was the first company to go without facebook for quite a while but actually china you know they're just good so what that does is uh, you spur or you motivate your local industries to then come up with those solutions. So if there's a void from Google search, you know, uh, there's going to be another search company that's going to be used in those in those countries that and that's going to actually offer value to users. And one of the interesting things actually about that suit was that um, Microsoft ganged up with Australia. Because what they did was they, you know, they, they basically said, okay, you have problems with Google, cool, we'll offer you Bing, we'll pay your publishers and uptake Bing. Because again, there's, there's no lack of options on such engines or social platforms, uh, but to be in a position where a whole government has to comply to you know, laws by a social company, I, I do not think we need to be in that position uh, in any case. Interesting. So, are we are we likely to see African governments probably do the same, or for us we, as usual, we are waiting <laughs> for the last. Yes. It's yes. very sad. Um, I'm really hoping that we, at some point, we will get to have African countries would actually get to voice their opinion and even probably hit on this, uh, whether it's the big tech companies, whether it's the innovative even if it's from within or companies from outside i really hope that that's something that over time would get to change and we can get we can get to move forward yeah definitely um as 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 we wrap up of course this has to be this has to be um eric's favorite yes coinbase yes coinbase um the, the upcoming coinbase ipo it's actually a direct listing it's, it, sorry it's a it's a direct listing and yeah. i think they announced that after after Felix. revenues more than more than double for, for the yeah. last year yeah i think Felix should explain to us the difference between an ipo and a direct listing uh, <laughs> <coughs> 
Felix is so excited. <laughs> <laughs> He's been waiting. He's been waiting. points in check, yeah. So, so, so basically, what really happens during an IPO is during an IPO, a company would issue a certain set number of shares, and then they would allow investors to probably subscribe to this um, stock or to the to their shares over time, maybe about a month or so, and then they would start trading their shares on the market. For direct listing is where the company would issue their share directly on the exchange and then investors would be able to start trading immediately on on, 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 on the company. For Coinbase, just to say first of all, those of us who are BTC, Bitcoin uh, <laughs> investors, those of us who actually like and love Bitcoin and the entire uh, technology, I know this week has been a very bad week. We've probably seen a lot of volatility on the market. We know from on Sunday last week, uh, on Saturday evening, when we have we, we saw Elon actually tweet that Bitcoin and, and Ethereum prices were trading at, were, were, he mentioned that the prices were, were, were a bit high, and, and we've seen how that has affected um, the, the, the Bitcoin market, mostly on the retail side this week, because we've seen Bitcoin had the worst week since um, January 2020, since March 2020, actually, we've seen Bitcoin um, from, come from a price of about 58, an all-time high of 58 dollars, 58 thousand dollars, <laughs> to trade. Uh, earlier today, Bitcoin was trading at levels of about 45 thousand um, US dollars. So I think that's one one hell of a volatility that you wouldn't want to have invested in. But on the on the brighter side, we are seeing companies, we are seeing um, global corporations actually give a lot of backup. Um, to, to transactions of cryptocurrencies. Um, we saw PayPal is, is setting up systems to enable um, to, to, to enable transaction on Bitcoin. Uh, the previous week we had seen um, Visa and MasterCard also join the bandwagon for transaction on, on, on cryptocurrencies. On the other side we're seeing companies like Square and we saw earlier on Square bought about 170 million uh, USD worth of, of Bitcoin. Um, in their latest filings, but then, weirdly enough, some companies that I know most of us never really thought would get into the Bitcoin space, like um, uh, there's a company that bought Bitcoin, uh, the latest that bought about one billion, yeah, MicroStrategy, yeah. bought about one billion worth of Bitcoin. So this actually makes MicroStrategy the second largest listed company that holds Bitcoin after Tesla. Tesla has currently about 1.5 billion uh, USD worth of, of Bitcoin. So, but, but we are interesting, to see how this will be. The, the 1 billion accounts for 95% of the balance sheet, mm-hmm. micro strategy. That's a bold move. I think that's, that's the boldest move that we've seen. <laughs> but I know maybe whatever they were eyeing on, you know, the other day when, when Tesla bought Bitcoin, the profit that Tesla actually made from, from Bitcoin is more than what Tesla has made over the past seven years as it. As, as it as it dealt with, with with cars, so I think maybe that's one thing. But MicroStrategy is an intelligent. Um, it, it's more of a, it's the largest actually global intelligence company. So I think that's business intelligence. So that's one thing that we're really hoping that would be a game changer. That support that we're seeing tech companies um, uh, probably give Bitcoin. I think it's going to be worth it. Yesterday, Elon actually mentioned that. Um, Yesterday, Elon mentioned 
that the E in SEC is actually for Elon. <laughs> <laughs> Elon is a troll. So, so um, I think it would be interesting just to see how how, how most of these companies uh, probably would react. We saw there was there was some news today that um, earlier, late evening yesterday US time, where we saw that um, there was news that SEC SEC was actually planning to probably investigate Elon on the rally that we had on, on, on Dogecoin. Uh, what most of you might refer to as Dogecoin. We we saw that and we really hoping that um, we would really want to see just generally have a little bit of a, a feel here and, and, and just have a view on what's happening. But on the other side on the cryptocurrency space we seeing also volatility on other currencies. We saw Ether drop uh, from a high of about two thousand dollars to trade about at one thousand four hundred dollars. Um, I know it's gone down. It actually touched low of about $1,200. We've seen other currencies as well. We've seen Polkadot come down. Um, we and, and I really hope that that's one thing that we're likely to uh, probably... I know, I believe, I'm a firm believer that <laughs> prices will continue to rally. But one thing that also was mentioned uh, during the filings for, for, for the direct listing by Coinbase Coinbase actually mentioned that if the if if if, um, if the founder of or the inventor or the group that invented Bitcoin, um, or yeah, they developed the entire uh, Bitcoin. Uh, that's Satoshi Nakamoto. If the the person would reveal themselves, mm -hmm. then the price of Bitcoin is likely to probably crash. And I know that's the only risk that they currently have um, on on the regulatory filing. Why and also. Mainly because you know Bitcoin has had a little bit of ambiguity. The one, one of the things that guys are actually buying Bitcoin on is is because of the blockchain uh, system where yes we have uh, transactions that are open and you can be able to they're open and verifiable. But also because of I I know personally for me as an individual one of the main reasons not only because BTC Bitcoin was like the first um whole the the, the first um was the first cryptocurrency, but also because of the little bit of um, anonymity found in Bitcoin. But then also another reason is because, you know, if, if the founder of Bitcoin would actually um, sort of like, if they would come out public, then there's the risk of them probably also liquidating their holding. We know that at the moment, um, the, the holding for Satoshi is at about 5%, the total holding of Bitcoin. That's worth about $3.5 billion. And I think if that would come in today to be liquidated, it might bring a lot of liquidity on the market. But I'm really hoping that we continue. And my, my the good side for me, if, if the owner, if the founder of Bitcoin can actually come and probably, if just if I'm not a techie, but if they could edit and probably increase the value of Bitcoin as well, because <laughs> because for now we've seen we only have we are only going to have 21 million bitcoins. Yeah. Uh, if it reaches that total, then the valuation would always constantly just have a little bit of an, an upside. And that's why we headed to the moon, guys. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so for me, Coinbase, Coinbase. Uh, Coinbase, I think, is the one company that I've publicly said that I'm very, very uh, optimistic uh, about. Um, and seeing the SEC filing, um, I think, just made me uh, reiterated sort of my beliefs that it would it would actually be a game changer uh, this year. So just looking at some of you know what what they shared uh, on the direct listing. Uh, so obviously uh, they're looking at working with Goldman Sachs, uh, J.P. Morgan, and Citi. 
uh, on the market makers and the advisory. Uh, then some of the interesting things um, from that listing was um, they actually have nine billions in assets on the platform. So basically all the other um, cryptos, the other altcoins that are trading on the platform, there's actually 90 billion worth of assets on the platform and that's that's really really big um, so if you look at the trading volumes again uh, last year they did about 193 billion uh, in trading volumes uh, for the year which again is very 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 huge uh, and they said they have about 43 million uh, 43 million verified users on the platform although only about 2.8 uh, who are transacting on a month uh, by month basis um, and that with coupled with a revenue of about 1.28 billion in 2020. Uh, it's it's pretty interesting and pretty exciting. Um, and one of the most watched after uh, direct listings or IPOs for this year uh, for two things. Uh, first, because they're being valued at a pre-market value of about 100, you know, 108 billion dollars, thereabouts. Um, and two, because um, they're the first company that would go public in relation to cryptos uh, and again that's that's a, that's a huge step because them being a platform that allows for for trading of cryptocurrencies if they go public then uh, and investors actually invest in 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 the company it, it shows that people would actually be more willing and more optimistic about the long-term um, capabilities and possibilities of cryptocurrencies beyond just Bitcoin uh, as a store of value or as, as an exchange of value. So for me personally, I'm, I'm very, very excited. Uh, we don't have the dates yet for the direct listing. Um, they say it could be as early as March, uh, but again, we, 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 are, we are still not sure about when they would want to list. Uh, I think the only caveat which has been um, raised so far is, is that they haven't had a lot of any private uh, activity, market trading activity on their current shares uh, prior to this direct listing. So basically, since it's a direct listing, you know, it's it's that they're, they're basically going to put up um, whatever shares are being owned privately by, uh, say, the current holders to the market. Uh, so given that they there hasn't been a lot of activity in people buying. Uh, those shares or transacting those shares i think that's the only caveat that has been raised so far but uh to brian armstrong who's sort of like the founder and uh, of coinbase uh, i know he's is we are going to meet a couple of billionaires from that uh, direct listing i'm pretty pretty excited for this and, yeah. and and maybe just to ask just one thing eric is is hisa going to give us access so that we can be able to buy coinbase so March will be a bit soon, uh, but I'm hoping we can get uh, an early April to May uh, listing. Uh, then I can definitely assure you that it will be on the HISA app. March might be a bit early, but uh, but I know uh, certainly for, for a fact that if they do the listing in March, in, in April, then we'll definitely do the IPO on the app. If not, um, if they do the listing in March, then uh, hopefully by April you'll get a chance to buy your Coinbase shares straight from Kenya here uh, using our HISA app because that's one of the few things that we are currently working on and testing uh, just the ability to buy and sell global shares. And uh, just um, again back back on Coinbase of course uh, in the in the SEC listing as of course as we wrap up guys 
one of the risks that uh, they, they, they listed was the price declines in, in Bitcoin. And of course, um, this, is, this is something that we'd, we'd, all, we'd all seen. Um, Felix, what would you advise on maybe investors who might be you know, interested in Coinbase when, when it lists regarding the volatility of Bitcoin and how it relates directly to the volatility of Coinbase? Ripple, the issue about Ripple, maybe. <laughs> well, well, um, I think, in my opinion, getting into Coinbase would be very interesting. Mostly, if the currency, if the cryptocurrencies, the prices continue to move towards the moon, uh, if we continue <laughs> going to space, and, and then we might actually get to Mars. You never know. You've, you've, uh, seen, you've seen Elon's uh, Elon's meme of Dogecoin planting the you yeah, know yeah. the the, the flowers. The the <laughs> it's like we are here, guys. On the actual moon. So mm-hmm. so I think um, that that would be something that would be interesting to see how it moves. But I also have to mention that as an investor, you have to you have to know on every investment decision that you make out there. You need to know the risk that is associated with that investment. So even as you might want to buy, um, you, you might want to buy into shares for, uh, for for Coinbase. You might also want to just understand the underlying risk. Um, just as we always say, if you're buying a company, if you're buying into, even even if it's on the local market, an example. If you're buying into, say, say say an example, maybe Samia Africa, you need to probably know which what 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 is the company you're investing in. What's the underlying operation that the company is probably trading, or what's the revenue model, uh, the revenue generation model for the company? So that's the same way uh, for Coinbase as well. We need to probably just have a little bit of a discussion around that when the listing comes into play. We understand what levels it's coming into, and you'll know that the company is actually making from the transactions on that are traded on. It's more like you're buying NSE shares here. You're buying an exchange on the other end as well. Yeah. It's just the same way you're buying an SE here. So I know there are a lot of those market factors also considering regulation as well um, on the other end. So that's one thing that maybe investors would really need to look into. Um, but for those of you who are probably buying Bitcoin, I think there's still a lot of opportunities here and there. Um, you can always just find out on your own, do your personal analysis. For me as an individual, um, as we've always mentioned, as I've always mentioned, I think that um, cryptocurrencies are here to stay. We are going to, one way or another, find ways of how to probably integrate them to our system. But the past two weeks have been very challenging because, first of all, we know Central Bank of Nigeria had that ban. We, we know how Janet Yellen spoke about um, cryptocurrencies being, being, being unstable. We've seen what Bill Gates said about, about, um, about cryptocurrencies. We, see, we saw what Charles Munger mentioned about <laughs> about cryptocurrencies. Then finally we saw what uh, one one and only supporter Elon Musk mentioned <laughs> about, about, about cryptos. So yeah. it's been a lot of uh, gunfire on, on cryptos. But I still think that some of these market corrections are always there. Market corrections the are due. Always. <laughs> I, I would want to say by the deep, but 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 but, but as, as Ali has always told you, <laughs> a few when when uh, ARM shares were trading at twenty one shillings, a few guys were told to buy the dip when Uchumi was trading at ten shillings, a few guys were told to buy the dip when 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 um, NMG was trading at prices of twenty shillings. 
and they've con- they they continue to buy the dip to buy the dip. <laughs> <laughs> but they never got the gold. <laughs> On the other side, uh, buying the dip can be good. You've seen what has happened to GME this week. GameStop was trading at. Guys at NSC, can you guys please give us <laughs> anytime, anytime? I wish NSC would always lift for us the 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 limits, the floor, the ten percent floor and ceiling limits that are put on on the market um, every day. But can you believe if GME was trading at forty eight shillings uh, on Tuesday uh, at market open, and right now as we speak, GME is trading at about a hundred. Uh, let me just confirm that Jamie's trading at about a hundred and sixteen dollars. Is that on a Hisa app? Still not on Hisa app, but <laughs> it's not on um, so you, I'd really imagine what how how retail investors would probably be. And you know, retail investors are really excited by small prices change. Um, so that's one thing that I really hope one day. Yes, it might not be right now, may not today, but I hope NSE would work on that. Um, at least give investors a few of this mostly these penny stocks this these penny stocks give guys just um 20, yeah, yeah, give guys 25 percent let us make some 25 percent in a day i buy i won't mention the stock but i buy it at three shillings i sell it or oh, at at one shilling i sell it tomorrow at at two shillings and 25 cents i think this, these are what would really excite the market but companies that have um, a big valuation for our, our investors mostly the retail side I think that's not being fair to them. Um, just my opinion, but yeah. this is not an advice to buy. So the guys <laughs> at uh, the guys at at guys are my cool friends. Um, no hard feelings, but we can always have a discussion around giving a certain probably the stocks that are listed on the gem segment. Yeah, on the gem segment, they can actually just let those stocks probably just have a little bit of an upsurge in terms of trading prices. Yeah. And I think maybe uh, just to add on that, uh, well, not related per se, but to follow up on our Sparks discussion. Um, so we've uh, so uh, three hundred and sixty million dollars has been raised to the African Gold Assets uh, Spark. So I'm really really excited. I told you guys we're going to see a spark on the continent before the end of the year, and this is actually very 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 good. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, I think that will be it. I fear if we continue going on, uh, Felix is gonna come back on, on, on his <laughs> rant in the NSC, and we do not want that. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for for tuning in on today's episode of We Are Curious. This episode again is brought to you by the amazing Hisa app. Download the Hisa app on the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store for amazing information on Kenyan stocks and coming up slowly global stocks. Yeah. Uh, a lot a lot of a lot of um engagement on podcast and we guys we actually have a, we're building a community you can um sort of share and reply to some of your insi- some of the insights on there and if you already downloaded the hisa app good news is we have an update which fixes uh, bugs on xiaomi and samsung get that up guys See you next time. Yeah, and I, I think one of the few features we've introduced, sorry, this is dragging on, uh, <laughs> on the podcasts, you can now comment on the podcast, so check that out. Um, and again, today we really, we, we started something new, uh, so we streamed this live on Clubhouse and Telegram, and thank you for those who are joining us on uh, Telegram. So hopefully in future episodes, we'll uh, have you guys share your thoughts. 
um, and just maybe ask questions and see ways in which you can be part of the discussion. So I can see um, Mahiga, I can see Alex Magana, I can see Chua, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I can see Sambula Inganga, uh, I can see Moas, I can see Frank, I can see Alphonse. Uh, the others are initials JW, SN, and Nyawira. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, it's it, it's it's one of the few things that we are trying. So uh, again, the podcast will be up soon uh, on the Hisa app. So be be sure to check it out and listen in in case you missed any uh, any parts of it. But um, next week we'll be back on on Telegram as well. Yes, definitely. We'll be back on Telegram, Clubhouse as well. Uh, we are s- looking at more and more ways to make this interesting. Maybe we'll try out Twitter um, spaces as well. Yeah. yeah, so we just see what we can do with that because at the end of the day, it's about reaching our community uh, in the best way possible. All right, guys. Um, you can also comment on the chat segment. On For those of you on Telegram, you can comment on the chat box if you have any questions or some concerns that you'd want us to cover in the next episode. Um, and then our team will definitely focus on people. Alright, that's it. Over and out. Goodbye.